All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down in the Boston studio here in DraftKings. And uh, that makes her the only one of us not in my apartment right now um, here on Gojo and Golick. My dad's out here getting ready to be on the call for Westwood One for Monday Night Football chargers and cowboys that we'll get to in a little bit but that means he's uh sleeping in my apartment sam and, and doing the show from my small nook over sleeping here sleeping in your bed yes he jesse he was nice enough because i've been here before and he made me sleep on the couch mm -hmm. i don't know if he felt bad from that experience or not but he did give me the bed which was wow. very nice but it has been a while since i stayed in a single guy's apartment as I tried, addressed yesterday afternoon, I said, hey, what do you have for the morning? You know, I like to you know, eat a little bit, have some coffee. And he said, well, I got a Keurig over there. I think I got some coffee. I have a what? A Keurig. A Keurig? A Keurig, whatever. Keurig. A, Keurig whatever. You use one every morning at your house. You, ha you have a Keurig. Doesn't mean I have to know what it's called. The coffee Keurig. maker. A Keurig? A Keurig. Well, I know who's not going to sponsor our show soon. All right. He has a coffee maker here that I can make coffee. And I looked in this pantry, Jesse, and it's basically almonds. Mm. Oh, I and beef jerky. I could have. Yeah. That's what he said to me. I said, what do you got going on in the morning? I said, do you have any breakfast type things? He says, I have almonds and beef jerky. Because beef jerky. Yes, breakfast of champions. an intermittent faster. He's not a breakfast guy. Yeah. But he has a guest coming in. I mean, do you think, I mean, if you have a guest coming in, do you maybe think about that person at all? It's uh, football season. I think about the air in front of my face. I was just on the road in Seattle last week. 
I'm moving around all the time. There's a lot going on here. I can't be planning for four or five days out. And also, you're not a baby. Like, if you want something, you asked for something yesterday, and we remedied that. I took you to the little shop down the street. We We were able to get you snackos. I took you to different restaurants around here. I door dashed you food yesterday. I have provided for you here, and yet that doesn't appear to be good enough because you want to make this a single thing. Really, this is just... This is the first time you've had to live or spend a night without my mom providing for you in God knows how long. I mean, it just, I I thought you're 34 years old that you would have the house a little more prepared for your father to stop by instead of you're kind of doing it on the fly. And I like the whole, I get you were in Seattle. All right. Hell of a game you had. Incredible game. Incredible game. Say after that, then I'm doing other stuff. I mean, what, what other stuff are you doing? What, what 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 else you got going on? Listen, man, I got stuff to prepare for yeah. that game. I got stuff to prepare for this show every day. I got to come out here and shoulder this sixty year old load. And watched football. That was our preparation. Yeah, and I couldn't and leave to go get stuff yesterday during that in good conscience. I I learned by watching you years of my childhood, where my dad would look at my mom who needed him to do any number of things during the course of a Sunday. And then would say, uh, sorry, I've got to watch this for work. That's, That's what awesome. I had to do. I got Sunday football I got to watch for work. I got Monday football I got to watch for work. I got Thursday football I got to watch for work. I can't we, possibly be moved. We will bring your mother on this show. I do laundry at times. I shop. At times. I go get food. Mm-hmm. At, at times. Don't, at, at times. times. I said at, at times. times. I didn't tell at times. I know times. how to do it. So I, I'm not left completely stranded when your mother is away. I can prepare the house. And get it ready, especially mm. if there are guests coming in. Yeah. Find out their likes and their dislikes. You know, uh, have yeah. some. You're not doing a survey uh, on the way in and in. getting this. Don't see the lies have really no. started. Now, I will Jesse. say, I will say, I think that our generation does not have the the hosting gene that was yeah. sort of ingrained into our parents, perhaps by their parents, which is like a very '50s housewife vibe of like. I have a water by your bed and I have your, you know, food preference in the pantry and I'm going to, you know, serve you every meal, whatever. We don't, my, my mom, my parents come to my house and my mom's like, what's going on here? What do you got? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. So I think that's just something that our generation is missing. Isn't it something you could change? Well, I, I don't, live in we a don't 900 square foot apartment yeah. that is right next to the ocean. My gift is that we walk outside. The whole point is we're not going to spend a lot of time in here. That's my entire MO with this place here. We're going to get out. We're going to see things. We're going to feel the ocean air, all these things that are going to revitalize you, rejuvenate you in head of this matchup here. That, that, listen, that is a, a wonderful aspect of this. But also, Jesse, we went out to dinner last night. I'm a guest in his city, in his house. We went to dinner. Guess who had the shortest arms in the world when the bill came? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, I mean, the, you're rich. Yeah. The, yeah. The, oh, I forgot my wallet. What? But you can't even use that excuse. You're you rich. Because you, you're not hurting, my friend. Yeah. Well, I understand that. Big bank take little bank, though. I mean, the minute, yeah. the minute that changes, that's well, the minute yeah. I'll start reaching for the wall a little faster. It is, it is amazing. After dinner, of which I paid for, we went to the little shop Say. to get these, you know, little breakfast bars. And of course he bought that. Yeah. You know, I paid the big bill. He give paid I, the $4 I bill. I give and I give. I pay. Yeah. I listen, I pay that place all the time. You're visiting. It's time to help stimulate the local economy. All right. Well, Speaking so, of stimulating I, the economy. I, try and make it through the show, Jesse. I'm hungry. He's you know, stuck. I, he I, could I, lose consciousness. We'll keep an eye it's on exactly you. exactly right. Okay. Understand I'm playing hurt today because of, you know, God. 
I didn't realize we were going to have this much whining on here. I thought I was inviting a 60-year-old man here, not my nephew, Jackson. This is a very interesting turn of events. We, uh, speaking of finances, are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% in your Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. We do have a great show for you today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. David Hellman from uh, Fox Sports covered the Cowboys. Does a great job over there with their NFL podcasting as well. Going to join us in a little bit to get ready for the Sunday night football or the Monday night football game that you are going to be on with Kevin Harlan on Westwood One coming up. And, Dad, if it's anything like the rest of the weekend, we should prepare for the strangest result humanly possible with the least amount of offense humanly possible. You had to be just, I mean, absolutely thriving watching defensive football win the day over the weekend. Some of the wonkiest results known to man. Sunday night football, perfectly emblematic of what we dealt with, except for the fact that the Bills were able to survive. If the weekend pattern had held, one of the best teams in football would have lost to a team not playing with their starting quarterback that somehow managed to defense them to death. So I think what we saw, you know, Sunday, uh, all day Sunday and then Sunday night was great defense. And I still want to find out where I can grab it. The amount of penalty, it felt to me like it was an inordinate amount of penalty. A lot of yellow out there. A lot, a lot of, of yellow. flags, slowing down games. And I believe at last count, including last night, there were six backup quarterbacks used this week. So there, there were a lot, and including some like a Zach Wilson who wasn't a starter. He is the backup, even though he's starting for the season now. He's been a starter before. But other true backups that had to come into the game or start the game like last night because Daniel Jones was off for the Giants. So Tyrod Taylor was in. I think he's on a six-team Revenge game, one of the many yeah. revenge games for Tyrod Taylor. As you said, his only revenge game should be the Chargers because that's. I mean, it should be him versus team, the Chargers team doctor. Team doctor and mess that one up. But so we had backup quarterbacks, a lot of flags, but we had awesome defense. And I know there are those out there that if it's not 35 30, it wasn't a good game. And that's so untrue. And when you have a great defensive battle, when you have, you know, great matchups that you're watching on the line, you saw defenses getting after it. Uh, incredibly well, like the Cleveland Browns against San Francisco, like the Jets against uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, which we'll get to. And and last night, the same way. But, boy, last night, I mean, the Giants kind of put themselves on a bat. They, they were up 6 nothing at halftime, and it should have been it should have been 9 nothing at least or more the way they screwed that one up. And those three points proved to be uh, pretty important come the end of the game and what the Giants – needed to do getting a touchdown instead of just needing a field goal. Yeah, the end of the half is going to be the subject of a lot of scrutiny for the New York Giants coming off today because you're right, their defense surprisingly gave them a chance over the course of the night where Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills offense really had a hard time getting on track. Both teams ended up rushing the ball pretty well. The Giants, not surprising. Saquon Barkley back in the lineup there and Mm -hmm. looked incredibly important in a backfield where you weren't going to have Daniel Jones as that run threat the way that you normally do. But we get to the end of the first half, and as you said, they've got a chance to add points at the end of the first half. They are down inside the five-yard line, really on the goal line, or about the one- or two-yard line at the end of the half. And on the final play, there's about six seconds left on the clock. Tyrod Taylor lines up under center. You see him tap his helmet there. It appears to be a check play. They run the football 
no timeouts left, try and get up to the line. The Bills are rightly laying all over them, trying to slow that process up, and they end up not being able to get a playoff before the end of the half. No points, no crack at the end zone, no chance to get the field goal team out there, nothing. And you see Brian Dayball, their head coach, absolutely beside himself. He's beating, you know, getting a uh, brow beating Tyrod Taylor up and down the sideline. This was Brian Dayball talking after the game about that play to end the half. Had a play called. It was a, a run action pass play, um, and ended up alerting it to a run. They get it off. So Brian Dayball there talks about. It was an alerted play. Right, right. It was something that Tyrod Taylor checked to. And boy, oh boy, I had a lot of y'all that apparently had long, illustrious NFL careers in my mentions explaining to me that, oh no, every play pretty much has a run or pass option checked on it. First off, no. And not only, listen, I understand my NFL experience was brief, but a whisper in the evening there through training camps. So I double checked with multiple guys that had long NFL careers. Hey, just so I'm not crazy and I'm remembering this right, not every play has got a kill tag on it that can get you to another play, run to run, pass to pass, right. run to pass, whatever it is. And no, of course, the answer was no there. Right. And so my question in this situation and my assertion in this situation is yes. While Tyrod Taylor is a veteran in this league and a guy who should absolutely know better in that situation right. than to check to the run play there, unless it's communicated to everybody, because you saw, Dad, there was no real sense of urgency no. after that run of everyone to understand, hey, we got to get back up to the line. We got to spike the football. We got to have the you know NASCAR field goal team ready. Whatever the plan would have been that would have indicated everyone was ready on that. But also, if you're the offensive coordinator, if you're Mike Kafka and company, if you don't want a run checked, an easy way to assure that happens is to make sure you don't call a play with a run check on it, of which there are plenty in there. I'm yeah. sure as the Giants were driving at the end of the game, a lot of those two-minute drill hurry-up plays did not have run kills on them during that time because you've got plenty on the call sheet. My only point is it's not just coaching. It's not just the player. Everyone situationally has to wear that in that spot if that's truly an outcome you didn't want. Yeah, there's plans of coaching, playing, play calling, and time of clock. There were actually 14 seconds left before that play. 14 seconds when they started that play. And they they check to the run. Barkley gets tackled. And the defense is absolutely doing the right thing of laying on the players and not letting them get up to get a kill uh, off there. So, yeah, you, you depends on where you want to assign blame, and it's more than one person. I agree with you. Don't call a play with a check. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's been around long enough to, sure. oh, wait a minute, I can't check to a run here. We don't have enough time, A, to run the field goal team on. If well, the- or if I can, if we've got 14 seconds, then everybody needs to know going in, hey, if we do this, we got to get up to the line now. And, and, and in all honesty, I would never have done it because you have another side of the ball where 11 guys know the situation as well, and they're going to lay on you. They are not going to let you up. They're going to cost you some time. A running play where there's no shot a running play was going to happen unless you knew we're either going to run and get the ball in or we're going to have time without any points, which would be the worst way to think about it because you were right there to get some points. So where do you want to lay blame? Coaching, player that should know not to check to the run. Uh, but, But to your point, everybody needs to be on the same page at that point of what we need to do. They work on this all week. I mean, you work on time situations all week, and over the years of playing, you understand timing situations. They blew this thing so bad that, again, what it cost them, now if, if you, it's, it's 
easy to say if you had those points what it would have been. But, sure. but the bottom line is coming to the end, it was 14-9, to and they had the ball with over a minute to go but needed a touchdown. Throwing those three points at the end of the half, it could have been 14-12, to and all they needed was field goal position, of which they were in. I mean, they were close to the end zone to score. They had the ball on the one-yard line at the end of the game because of an interference call in the end zone on what would have been the last play of the game. So they were easily in position to win by a field goal, wouldn't even need to go that far. So, yeah, and again, you just can't put that situation at the end and say that's what it would have been, but they would have had three more points. That was so horribly – we've talked about college situations – where they've done bad uh, timing, and we've seen it in the NFL, obviously. But that was that was really, really bad last night. And Dayball, I thought he was going to explode on the sideline. He was doing a side. Uh, supposed to uh, Melissa Stark was talking yeah. to him. This was off camera yeah. about it. This is crazy. And, and, and he was just like Melissa, I I can't even think straight right now. I, I I can't even give you an answer on this. I'm so frustrated at what happened. I'm sorry. I can't answer that question. It, that's a real he just like me <laughs> yeah. for real moment where we've all been that level of frustrated. And it's a good reminder that it is insane that these coaches and players are able to compose themselves enough to give answers in most of these situations when they're out here playing violent 40 wizards chest on every given down and distance. Listen, that's why we love NASCAR. Dude gets you know wrecked against the wall on someone a minute later you got a microphone in front of his face and he wants to beat the hell out of the guy that just put him in the wall and you're like yeah yeah give us this yeah it was uh it was damn impressive there so uh dad we've got that on one side with the uh giants where you've got a very frustrated brian dayball who understandably daniel jones missing this game with the neck injury they're hopeful to have him back next weekend by the time they play the washington commanders but obviously a neck not something you want to play with certainly with your star quarterback who is also an involved part of your run game, that's going to make it extremely difficult for the New York Giants going forward. The Bills survived this by the skin of their teeth. Josh Allen and company make just enough plays. Down at the end, there was all this conversation about Josh Allen and how he wasn't going to make any more of these crazy throws. And instead, on the touchdown that ultimately ends up winning them the game, he ends up targeting a tight end who had not even been targeted once this season. Dalton Kincaid, their rookie first-round pick, was out for this game. And so he ends up targeting a tight end that hasn't been targeted this season on a throw where he was rolling out, going back across his body, and fitted in between two defenders in a way that would be crazy by most people. Uh, Seth Walder over at ESPN, they post the NFL next-gen stats dots where they show the way the dots moved around in a given play. Even the dots looked insane and inadvisable, but that's the kind of stuff that you sign up for when Josh Allen is your quarterback, yeah. and more often than not, you count on it winning you games like and, this. And his name is Quentin Morris. Uh, Thank you for finding that, because I couldn't yeah. remember, and that's why I was stalling. second-year player who did it. Talk about knowing your job, of doing the job he was supposed to, the route he ran, and then when he saw his quarterback rolling right, breaking the pocket, how he turned it into... I turn, go to the end zone, look, and and they were on the same page for a guy that's rarely used in Morris at tight end. So that was pretty impressive. Also, by the way, and... and oh, boy. Why, again, they turn down... They review everything. So why you can't oh, yeah. review a roughing the passer in today's game was one of the worst last night they got called on the Giants hitting, and I think the ref was behind and saw the defender's arm go up and thought it hit Josh Allen in the head. But it caught Josh Allen in the hand. He went for the throwing hand, hit him in the hand, bumped into him, Allen went down. They called roughing the passer. It was, and there have been horrible ones, one of the worst calls I have ever seen. And if you go to replay, I, I really think, Mike, if you use replay, you could find out really quickly 
if it was roughing the passer, doing like the expedited replay. Because yes, exactly. in general, I've been out on the idea of right. reviewing things like roughing the passer because the games are already long enough. There's been proof of concept, both college Absolutely. and pro, that you can expedite some of these replays. But I also think that's one that because of the proclivity of throwing flags on that, refs are so overcautious on that, where in real time, that feels like something, given some of the other stuff these guys see, you'd be able to pull off. So. I, I agree, because there was also a hit downfield um, by a DB that did a great job of laying a shoulder into the chest yeah. and and got called. It, that, that's the other thing that, that, that I can't stand. If it's a hard hit downfield, they throw the flag. 80% of the time, they're throwing the flag because it's a hard hit. And they don't want to be the guy that doesn't throw a flag if sure. it's a hard hit and someone gets hurt. But it was a hard, clean hit. And again, it cost a defense 15 yards. And in the case of the rough on the passer, the uh, Giants would have been off the field. But it gives them, it gives Buffalo a first down to keep the drive going. It's it's just screwing the defense. Well, you want to talk about the penalty that's going to be stuck in everyone's craw at the end of the game last night, yeah. where you've got the Giants knocking on the doorstep. Play before, and the game the game goes were untimed down because the pass interference had been yeah. called on the Bills defense, and then the very last play, right. it was a good call. call. It was pass interference, yes. but it was also defensive holding on the very last play yes, it was. when Darren Waller was the lone route in the end zone, which I disagree in the play. Call of having one option on the final play, but they toss a ball up to Darren Waller where you saw him getting held the majority of yep. the time. I don't know what Terry McCauley was talking about after that game. The replay showed clear holding and yet wasn't called in that spot a moment after you called the penalty on the last play. Maddening stuff to end Sunday Night Football. And oh, by the way, we're just getting started. Yeah. The two undefeateds, no more to backup quarterbacks. Next. Hey, Dad. What do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., and Jesse Cofield. And, Dad, we had so much belly aching to do about how that Bills and Giants game went down last night, which would have been a disturbing trend of Josh Allen against... Meadowland or MetLife Stadium tenants yeah. on backup quarterbacks uh, after the loss at the beginning of the season to the New York Jets. But they hold on, Dad. 
The same cannot be said for the remaining two unbeatens in the NFL yesterday. We walked into a weekend. We had talked about on the show a bunch of the prop bets around when the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers might lose, who would be the last team remaining. I don't know how many prop bets or bingo cards had them both going down on the same weekend to the two teams that they ended up losing to. Yet here we are. The San Francisco 49ers get dropped by a Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns team who was coming off a bye and still did not have their starting quarterback dealing with a rotator cuff injury. Is he still? And then the Philadelphia Eagles losing to Zach Wilson's New York Jets. I saw Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs taking great pleasure in that, who defended Zach Wilson to Rodney Harrison on Football Night in America. Dad, which of these outcomes surprised you a little bit more here? The Jets win 2014 against the Eagles. The Browns win 1917. So both closely contested defensive-led games, but both also now uh, no longer with that zero in the L column. I would say because while they're the two undefeated teams, we felt San Francisco was playing the best ball. Sure. Right, on both sides of the ball. The offense they had, their defense was number one in the league. And P.J. Walker, nothing against P.J. Walker, but it's not Deshaun Watson. DTR got to play when Watson. Watson got hurt before, yep. but he didn't play in this. It was P.J. Walker who got brought up from the practice squad uh, to, to be the quarterback. And listen, his stats weren't great. He was, what, 18-34 for a buck 92, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, the, his his part of it wasn't fantastic by any stretch. This was, We're going to talk about this and, and the Eagles. This was the defense of the Browns and the defense of the Jets. The defenses were absolutely fantastic in this game. I will say this. This is Brock Purdy's first regular season loss. Yep. And dare I say he looked pretty human when he didn't have some of his weapons. So in this one, you had uh, Christian McCaffrey got hurt. And when he went out, he tried to come back in. Then we went out for good. An oblique injury that also got a rib designation after the game from Kyle Shanahan. Tried to come back in for one play and then didn't re-enter in the fourth. And as I said, that's his problem because he has obliques. Don't have obliques. That is true. Oblique problem. You just got jelly rolls. None of that happens. I used to say when I didn't cramp up, I said fat doesn't cramp. So you know what? Mm -hmm. I was able to be on the field. Uh, And then Debo Samuel was out when he was out. He was done. Shoulder injury. Shoulder injury. Got got carted to the to lock him for a while. Trent Williams was out. Not long. He he not long. He had he had an ankle. They went on the sideline and taped that up. And then because he's not made of the same material the rest of us are, he's back out. He's frightening. Uh, we can talk about the foe for the, the pregame fighting. The pregame. This game was chippy hey. at the jump, and you saw all the DBs and wideouts fighting on the field. This was one of the coolest things. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's all over Twitter. <laughs> Before the game, Debo Samuel and another one of the receivers for San Francisco. Are, are fighting with the DBs before the game. Debo Samuel headbutted one of them, yeah. and all the DBs are around. And then, like a blur, in comes 71, Trent Williams, and knocks one of the DBs out of the way and stands there. And just imagine the light going on in your kitchen and cockroaches scattering. There was not one DB or Browns player that wanted to trifle with that young man. No, I no, mean, no, no. It was, now, again, these were all DBs, and they were clearly outmatched. Right. But still... You bow up, man. When you got you got a football player, you got uniform well, on. You, you know, usually it's not like in most of those situations. You know, it's not going to escalate to a real fight. He's not going to. He's not going to swing and knock you out. But you saw in that oh, moment because there's yeah. certain guys. I always said in football, you yeah. got to know the difference between yes. the guys that are really about that life and the guys that are just going to go out there for yes. funsies. And Trent Williams seems to be one of those guys mm-hmm. that's actually about that life enough where the reputation precedes him. And everyone looked and they made the value prop in their Business heads that that ain't worth yeah. it. Business that ain't worth it. That you got to watch that. Just that five second clip was absolutely hilarious. But 
So you had McCaffrey out, you had yeah. Debo out, and Brock Purdy did not play his best game by any stretch of the imagination. Now, give a lot of credit to the Browns' defense, but you were usually able to see San Francisco overcome an awful lot because they have all that talent on the field, but they weren't able to. And, and Brock's day uh, was not very good. It wasn't the greatest weather in the world, but, but that's certainly not the excuse. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And going forward, we'll see. Now, it, I, I, I don't know yet at this point how damning those injuries were, if those sure. guys are going to miss time. But we know they're a well-stocked offense when all those guys are healthy. And, yeah, missing a couple, it, uh, it, it seemed to bring Brock Purdy down to earth a little bit. So I, I'll say this, and I, I didn't anticipate being being this guy, but you looked at it, and you're right, Brock Purdy – once all that happened, and I saw the internet taking him to task, all the memes there, the script wrote itself. 12 of 27, it was career lows in passing yards with 125, completion percentage at 44%, and yards per attempt at 4.6. That being said, this was in some ways the more understanding result to me. Because, Dad, as we know, losing guys in-game like that in mass when you've already got the game plan set right, much right. harder to recover yeah, from than yeah. losing guys during the week where all of a sudden you've got time to adjust you can change things around here and so i look at that and go well yeah obviously a lot of quarterbacks we've seen struggle even guys that are more talented than brock purdy who have been a lot round for longer than brock purdy struggle on that spot so that's not as surprising the jim schwartz factor in all this against kyle that's shanahan incredible. jim yeah. schwartz now eight and one in his last nine meetings against kyle shanahan's offense when they have been the primary play callers, they had a tenth meeting at some point where Kyle Shanahan was a senior defense, or excuse me, where um, where uh, Schwartz. Jim Schwartz was yeah. a senior defensive analyst. But Shanahan's teams have now lost nine consecutive matchups against Schwartz, and Schwartz's defense have held Shanahan's offense to twenty points or fewer every time to an average of fourteen point eight points in the last ten meetings, according to Marcus Thompson from the Athletic. So that's also a factor in all this versus Dad and Eagles team in the other game that we looked at and said had kind of felt off this yeah, entire time yeah, yeah. that we looked at and said, well, they hadn't been playing their best ball. They had said they hadn't been playing their best ball, especially on offense. We had seen a frustrated Jason Kelsey a week ago about the red zone offense and that situation. And so I look at the 49ers and I go, well, I can excuse that away a little bit easier because of that cocktail of events. And if you want to use it to slight Brock Purdy, then so be it. I think it's a reminder. Listen, he's a great quarterback in their context, but he's still a young player. He still hasn't played 17 games, a full game right. season's right. worth of games in his career yet in adverse weather and that kind of matchup versus an Eagles team on the other side that, listen, you lost Lane Johnson early in that game, which we cannot overstate, is a huge right. blow at right tackle, one of the best in the league. But I looked at that Eagles loss and I said, okay, this is a little more worrisome because it felt like we had been waiting for this to happen for them versus a 49ers team that, listen, as long as those guys out, aren't out for a oh, long wow, period right, right. of time, I still feel confident in them coming back and being exactly who they've been. So we said one of the best matchups of the weekend was going to be the Eagles O-line against the Jets D-line. Yeah. And the Jets D-line won this because, remembering this one, the Jets secondary lost three players. They were without three yeah. players in the secondary. Yet what happened? The Eagles were held scoreless on their final seven drives. Hertz was pressured on a season-high 40% of his dropbacks despite only a handful of blitzes. So the Jets didn't have to blitz. They had their front four rushing and getting pressure. And when you can do that, man, that's helping and protecting your secondary, which is yeah. now, you know, uh, having a, a few less guys in it. So that was a great complimentary football of one side helping the other. So both defenses here, I credit, credit that defense really quick with the Browns defense. 
Five games, the Browns have given up a tick over 1,000 yards. That's 200 yards a game they're giving up right now. It's the fewest yards allowed through five games by any team since the Colts in 1971. Yeah. That's how good this Browns defense is playing, and that's how good they're going to have to continue to play, you know, depending on Deshaun Watson coming back and what's happening with the offense. And I think that's been part of the frustration with the failed Deshaun Watson experiment so far is, hey, you looked around at the rest of this roster, and clearly that defense is ready to party. Looks like the best in the league at this point. And yet here we are with the struggles that are going to persist on that side of the ball. The Jalen Hurts interception at the end of the game, I think, might be the play between these two quarterbacks that's going to stick in most people's crawl. Just a bad ball in double bad. coverage yeah. that sets them up ultimately to lose this game in a spot where he should have won as the guy who's more tenured, as the guy yeah. who got the second contract already. Again, for Brock Purdy, I don't want to say I've turned fully into Brock Purdy defender, but I look at yesterday and I go, given the confluence of circumstances, I can understand that a lot more than I can understand what happened in Philadelphia in this game this weekend. But with that being said, we got both unbeatens now down. We'll have a conversation in a little bit about the five and one team we trust the most. But coming up next, it's time to strike up the band, baby. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, USC fell to Notre Dame over the weekend, and it was ugly for Caleb Williams. All right, he threw for 199 yards, touchdown, and three interceptions in that 48-20 loss. And his Heisman odds saw some serious movement. So before the game, he's plus 250. First quarter, oh no, we've moved to plus 400. Halftime, take a big old leap to plus 1,500, and currently... As it stands, Caleb Williams' Heisman odds are sitting at plus 2,000. Fellas, quite a win for Notre Dame, but kind of bittersweet. Are you really just harping on that Louisville loss here now? You're like, come on! We lose to Louisville, then we come out and this happens. Yeah, I, listen, That it, now there, there's plenty of season to go. They still have, what, Pitt, Clemson, Wake Forest, Stanford. Uh, to go all winnable games, but you know you never know. We just saw Pete, uh, Pitt take care of Louisville. Yeah, what the which, hell? Which is, I mean, seriously, uh, though Louisville doesn't have a great record. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I heard this stat yesterday. Uh, shout out to uh, Roddy Jones over at the ACC Network. Jeff Brom now zero and four 
the week after beating an AP top 10 team. Yeah. So stunned by that. But uh, like, you know what? I, I understand people are going to harp on yeah. that, Dad. Yeah. The fact that, you know, Notre Dame season now no longer has college football playoff hopes the way it could have here had they taken care of business in that way. I still look at this Notre Dame versus USC is singular. That's a rivalry game that you go to that school to be a part of and win. You saw the graphics before the game, the history of these two schools, what they mean to college football individually. And to be able to do that, to thoroughly embarrass your rival at home in a moment like that, that was do or die. We said this is as must win for Notre Dame as any game we could remember. A potential three-game slide, two of those to ranked opponents, two of them at home, all of it before a bye week where you'd have some real existential dread keep in. And instead, they pick off the reigning Heisman Trophy winner three times and a half and absolutely defensively mud stomp their way into a win like this at home, a resounding win that now gives Marcus Freeman in his first 12, uh, his first two seasons, two wins against top 10 opponents here. According to Tim Beret, the former great SID over at Clemson, in a year and a half now, Marcus Freeman has as many top 10 wins at Notre Dame Stadium as Brian Kelly had in 12 years. Some of that schedule, some of that's otherwise, right, but right. it also shows you, hey, listen, the, inc- the consistency, we're waiting there. But Marcus Freeman, in terms of the performance in big-time games like this, has given Notre Dame a couple of bangers in the first couple seasons. So, as, as we had talked about, Notre Dame independent, four teams in the college playoffs, two losses, and you're done. So that's the goal every year at Notre Dame for a lot of teams. But for a lot of teams, it's win your conference, get to the playoffs, win a national championship. Notre Dame doesn't have that ability to win a conference, and and I'm fine with that. So we know it was done when they lost to Louisville. But you had USC coming up. And to me, I know for you it was Michigan. Michigan is your – kind of biggest I, rival. I as a player I hated them the most but I understood yeah. what the USC rivalry meant the most I was told the story we had to beat them to go 12 and 0 to go to the national yes. title in 2012 and I sat with you in the hotel the night before and said none of that really seemed to matter in that moment because you come here to beat USC right and to get to do it in the Coliseum was awesome but to get to do it at home the way Notre Dame did there well, I agree with you because that was the biggest rival for you right without question without question to me it's the biggest rival when I rivalry when I was there Certainly, when my brother Bob was there, uh, was was Notre Dame USC. It's a lot of guys that were, got recruited by the same teams. Guys, you get to know each other. And if you're a Notre Dame guy from California, you probably played with a lot of the guys yes. that ended up going to to USC. Uh, so I think Benjamin Morrison and Jerry Rice's son, who is a wide receiver, for yeah. You, played against each other or with each other in Little League football. Yeah, BMO said he was going down the street to the guy's house to play when they yeah, were kids. He, he knew a lot of those guys. Yeah, I can't stand USC. To me, that's the rivalry. So since Notre Dame's national championship hopes and playoff hopes were over, my thought is spoil USC. They're undefeated. They're a top-10 team. And spoil Caleb Williams' uh, shot at back-to-back Heisman. That that was my, my only thought. And that's exactly what happened. Notre Dame defense, we talked about the defense in the NFL over the weekend. The Notre Dame defense, this may have been one of Al Golden's you know, crowning moments yes. as a defensive coach. Now, he's been a head coach as well, but normally as a defensive coordinator, what he was doing and how the players were, the practical application on the field was absolutely incredible. Pressuring Caleb Williams, because last year against Notre Dame, Caleb Williams was getting free on scrambles and making big plays down the field. This time they contained him a little more. Caleb still made some plays because he's just he's that good, but he really got muted a lot by this defense. The Notre Dame offense really hasn't gotten into gear the way I, I would would have hoped in the last few games. 
and hopefully they can in the in the last you know they didn't really have to in this game they had so the Irish had one drive longer than 50 yards in this game they were three of 10 on third down but they scored in all five of their red zone possessions many of which were turnover assisted by a defense that had three that had five of them overall exactly right so their field was short because of the turnovers and let's be honest USC's defense is not very good so I expected more of an outcome from the Notre Dame offense but Obviously, you take the win, and it was a it was a destruction. Just what you want to see, certainly if you're a Notre Dame fan, before you go into your bye. Again, their string of four in a row, four night games, four undefeated teams, all ranked. This one being, you know, the the tenth ranked well, and USC, eight straight to start the season before yeah. the bye, going yeah. all the way back to week zero that you played in Ireland. It's an unprecedented stretch, and yeah. people are going to talk about where they out of gas against Louisville, whatever it was. They now get a chance to collect themselves. Dad, this is as big and timely a win as you could have possibly asked for in Marcus Freeman's young tenure here at Notre Dame. I was never one of the people who started to get up in arms about what the future looked like there right, when these right. losses piled up. But for the fan base, for everything else, this long this win goes a long way in reminding everybody exactly what you brought this man here for and exactly what this program is still capable of. As you see, changes in leadership upcoming. He highlighted in the locker room, Jack Swarbrick, the outgoing athletic right. director, Father John Jenkins, the outgoing university president who announced his plan to retire this past week. And so all of that, as you've had this changing of the guard around the school, this is a reminder that you still believe you picked the right leader in Marcus Freeman at the helm of this program, because we know getting wins in rivalry games goes a long way in every coach's evaluation process. Yeah, and you, and you always wonder who's going to step up in the big game. And as we mentioned, this time, it was the defense. The defense only had 11 sacks going into this game. They got six in this game, 11 tackles for loss, three more quarterback hurries as well. They were on fire. They, they had it going on, as we mentioned, gave the short field to Notre Dame as well. Really, I think, frustrated the hell out of Caleb Williams, who, who was going to be the number one pick in this draft. I don't think that's going to have an effect there. Could have an effect on the Heisman. I think Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. And he was – Michael Penix Jr. was, was the, the favorite going, going into in, this weekend. In, and, and, and we'll talk about that yeah, in a little bit yeah. in the all-weekend team uh, yeah. with what went on in that Washington-Oregon game. Firmly in the driver's seat now after a massive win for the Huskies. Monster game that you had to call there with Oregon getting a 36-33 win there and a missed field goal at the end for Oregon. What a shame for the, for the kicker there. But, yeah, it was I, my wife and I got to be at that game. We watched that Notre Dame game. It was just – Glorious to watch. As I said, when it's against USC, man, I, I, I can't get enough of that. So it was a, it was a great night. As I meant, it's not a great night for the offense, but a great night for the defense, and I'm cool with that. Now a, a well-deserved bye after eight games, so they get to kind of catch their breath. And I, I still think if they win out, if they can do that, I think they'll be in the New Year's Six Bowl at 10-2. and two. They're going to have a great opportunity yeah. because we are really getting into, as we've talked about, the meat of the Pac-12 schedule. The Big Ten teams right. are going to start playing each other once we get to the month of November. There's some great ACC showdowns. North Carolina putting it on Miami this weekend. Tez Walker, also another guy who's going to be involved in that all-weekend team. Notre Dame scores on offense, defense, and special teams to finish with the most points against an AP Top 10 opponent since 54 against ninth-ranked Boston College back in 1992. One thing I'll say, and I'm not saying this because it was Notre Dame. I'll say this because I see it in other places that people complain, oh, why are you rushing the field on this win or that one? Who cares? These are college students, man. If you want to rush the field... Rush the field. Have a ball. I mean, I can say this. Like I said, it's not just this game. There are other games where people question why Team X rushed the field when maybe, you know, they should have won that game or why was it a big enough deal to rush the field. 
I don't care, man. Rush the field, have a ball. Yeah, I, I'd agree. The one thing I don't agree with is I saw one of the kids, uh, there was a picture going around of a kid going up to Caleb Williams on the field and messing with him after yeah, the game, Notre Dame fan. That's lame. Leave yeah. the players from the opposing yeah, exactly team. Right. Quite honestly, it's how you get your ass kicked if yeah, you're not careful. Right. You poke the wrong bear yeah. down in a high stakes, high emotional environment like that, and you take your safety into your own yeah, hands. Don't have a lot for you if, no. you if that happened to you when you're messing with a player on the field. No, exactly. But no, congratulations to Notre Dame. I know for a lot of people, they expected the identity to be on offense when you brought Sam Hartman right. over. But I think for a defensive-minded head coach, you got reminded in this game, Notre Dame's identity right now is still on defense, and that can still win you a whole lot of ball games. Coming up next, let's get to the all-weekend team here on Gojo and Golik. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for us to take a look back at the weekend and have the guys give us their all-weekend team. So we're going to have all-weekend honorable mention, all-weekend second team, all-weekend first team. A lot went down, guys. Let's start with uh, honorable mention. Yeah, let's get it going, Dad. And while we're going to try and resist the homer urge to give every one of these to a Notre Dame player or coach in a game that saved their season yeah. against USC, uh, we actually have some other uh, very deserving candidates to get to here on the all-weekend team. Let's start with honorable mention. I, I want to start off with this. Elsewhere in college football, Tez Walker had a game yeah. that reminded yeah. you exactly what North Carolina was fighting for to get him back after a lengthy delay over his eligibility with the NCAA and a horrendous, shameful job by that organization in accounting for this young man's situation and future. Tez Walker goes for six catches for 132 yards and three of Drake May's four touchdowns against Miami as they take down the Hurricanes in one of the biggest ACC matchups so far of the year. Dad, the talent was fully on display. So happy for the young man. You saw the emotion when Matt Brown got to tell him last week that he had been reinstated. This was his first start since being reinstated, since he had been running scout team for most of the year, thinking he wasn't going to get to play, and instead goes out here. And after all of that, balls on the biggest stage for them. Kudos to him. Awesome moment. I'm for glad him. he was able to show finally show his talents. It was a joke, a joke yeah. from the NCAA that he wasn't eligible from the beginning of the season. It could have been doing this all year but what a time to have a big game in a big game like that for North Carolina who remains undefeated so congrats to him I, I'm with you there my honorable mention is going to go to Jordan Montgomery pitcher for Texas the Rangers uh they win last night two zip against Houston in Houston in game one of the uh of the ALCS and Montgomery has been fantastic as of late Last uh, last month, he allowed he had two earned runs over 27 innings the last four starts, and he's got a two ERA and three postseason starts. He outdueled Justin Verlander uh, in this game. He had bases loaded in the fourth and, and got a strikeout on the, the third out there to end that one six and a third scoreless last night, second scoreless or consecutive scoreless start for him. So big game right out of the gate on the road for Texas, who, by the way, is 6-0 and in the postseason. Yeah. And, and taking on the, the favored Houston Astros in this one. So, Jordan Montgomery, nice outing by you. And just like that, Texas is back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the all-weekend second team pick here, Dad. I'll go Max Crosby on this one. Congratulations to our good friend Jason Fitz for getting a win. His lifelong diehard Raiders go out and beat the New England Patriots. And Max Crosby was also almost the goat on the other side, the bad kind of goat, a roughing the passer penalty that had given the Patriots a score on the doorstep earlier in this game before ultimately, as the Patriots are driving and trying to get a win, Max Crosby actually gets the game-sealing half sack 
in the end zone for this team. Finished tied for the team lead with seven tackles, four solo, half a sack, a pass defense, and that quarterback hit. He's been phenomenal on a Raiders team yeah. that had no Jimmy Garoppolo because of a back injury for much of this game. Brian Poyer, another former Patriot in yeah. a matchup many, full of former Patriots, Patriots. Yeah, so, so out true. there on the field, gets sacked by Max Crosby, who's been the, maybe the most consistent bright spot of this team during a season that's been largely forgettable Boy, so he's far. He's got to go home after every game and say, man, I'd love some help. <laughs> well, exhausted some kind of help coming on the field for me we talk about you know he's got that huge motor motor i think uh much like aiden hutchinson from detroit yeah has a huge motor but aiden has some help on that defense that max trosby at this point does not have on that play by the way he beat the tight end, end that first. was supposed to chip help well, that him was the tackle doing and then beat the tackle i mean it was ridiculous i've never seen two guys both get double hand swiped so quickly oh. in such rapid succession and so smooth max crosby's been one of the best pass rushers in the league but showed up in the biggest moment right there which is always impressive so the second team in mine is going to go to xavier watts a defensive back from Notre Dame. Buddy. i mean this dude had we just talked about notre dame's win and on the defense and we were holding off on talking about watch so I can give him this uh his due right here he had seven tackles in the game two interceptions a forced fumble then he scooped another fumble and scored with it I mean his night was ridiculous and by the way it was exactly 50 years ago today Luther Bradley who played with my brother Bob at yeah game, that Luther Bradley had two interceptions a fumble recovery and a cause fumble and a win over unbeaten 10th rate Southern Cal which is exactly what it was Saturday night. They were unbeaten. They were 10th ranked. And Xavier Watts has the game of his life on the defense that just played lights out all night. So Xavier Watts, man, enjoy it. I'm sure you will, but what a night you had. Xavier Watts, by the way, the old converted wide receiver. Yeah. Came to Notre Dame as a wide receiver, has been a big part of that defensive backfield this year. And again, played the game of his life, set up a bunch of these touchdowns. It got ridiculous by the end. He had the scoop and score towards the end of that game to really drive home that this is going to be done. The special teams touchdown to Darian Price on the return there. On a game, Xavier Watts helped save Notre Dame season from spiraling to a place where going into the bye week, you would have been asked uncomfortable questions about the coaching staff, about this team, about what you had done with Sam Hartman. And instead, you walk in now, you know this, Dad. No better feeling already than a win going into the bye week because right. usually, and Marcus Freeman hinted at it after the game, normally we say it's 24 hours, we might go 48 hours celebrating this one because that win and that performance going into the bye week can go a long way in determining how many days off the coach is going to give you, what that schedule is going to look like early on during that week. All these things that he helped out with. And that adds to it is Notre Dame's on break. So all the students are going, yes. so they have no classes. And, and, you know, again, I'm sure people are like, oh, they're in college, they play football. So Listen. It's a nice mental break. Yeah, they had, for mid- you. They had midterms last yeah, week. Like exactly. we know, if you like betting on college football, yeah. part of it is also looking and acknowledging the human elements of this right. that college players deal with that others don't. They had midterms last week leading up to that game, so that's huge. Yeah, it, it's monstrous. So monster game by him, and I hope they get to all collectively exhale, take a breath, get some rest, and then finish out the season well. Exactly. So that opportunity, in large part, because of Xavier Watts and the job that he did there. Um, let's get to the first team all weekend team. Yep. Dad, this one's easy for me. Travis Kelsey didn't play a snap this weekend after Thursday night football, but man alive, my dog had a weekend. 
Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift spotted all over New York together. They both made celebrity guest appearances on Saturday Night Live that Travis has hosted in the past here. Taylor Swift went to introduce Ice Spice, one of her good friends in the musical guest for that. Travis showed up in the football sketch. They were both seen at the after party. Very touchy-feely, very lovey-dovey. What's going on? I bet a whole lot of people wondering about that, huh? I mean, I don't know, I don't know if there are any wondering. Who, uh, whoever uh, Al Michaels in Thursday Night Football calling them uh, her good buddy Travis Kelsey there wasn't nothing buddy buddy about that Jesse that was hot and heavy that was the first time I think that we've seen real you know PDA I would say between them right like they were holding hands I mean he was like had his hand on her lower back getting her out of the car I feel like in the times past, uh, unless it was like a secret photo that, you know, someone took at an after party that they definitely weren't supposed to take. This is the first time we've seen them step out in public looking extremely couple And this is, to your point, because only they wanted it to. Taylor Swift is smart enough and savvy enough to where yeah. she didn't want pictures. She didn't get pictures. She was excited to show off that she's now with a man she can wear heels around. Because at every turn, she busted those things out there and let them know, hey, my boyfriend's 6'6", and I can do this now because I'm not dating little guys anymore. Yeah. And can I just say, from, from the football side of it, would everybody, every football analyst friggin' relax? Yeah. Uh, enough with the, oh, don't make the sideshow the show. Enough with it. Just shut up. It is the show. I mean, you're still seeing every play. You're still talking about a game. It's like you think we've never talked about someone who's been in a suite or some star has been in a game. Relax, people. Just relax and enjoy. And this is to my brethren of analysts and people on our side of football. Just relax. Also, like, who do they think that this. this is coming from? I mean, like, don't on, you think Roger Goodell is like, focus on Taylor. Everybody bring Taylor in. And like, everyone's like, oh, my God, why are they, why are they doing this? It's because the NFL is asking them to do it. And, and, and plus, who even if they're not, show them. I mean, they're the hot couple. Who cares? It's not interrupting the game. Just everybody to Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Quickly, my first teamer, Michael Penix Jr. You had that. Yeah, what a cool. game you had, the Washington, Oregon. We need to get into more. He has clearly stamped himself he was the Heisman favorite by odds going into the game, and he has really stamped that. 22 of 37, over 300 yards, four touchdowns. It had the interception, but four more touchdowns. As his big-time receiver said, you're looking at the Heisman Trophy winner right now, and you are. Michael Penix Jr. is not only – and the Heisman has a great team he's playing for right now, but he's doing himself really well in the NFL draft stock. Everything – Every team, both those, Oregon and Washington, were exactly who we thought they were in that game. Washington able to make one more play, and now they are in the driver's seat. Who's in the driver's seat in the NFL? We ask next.